Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy this story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. So I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Bron Thompson. Bron is the founder and CEO of Springload, one of New Zealand's leading digital agencies, with a team of over 75 people in Wellington. Bron's experience in design, technology and business strategy spans three decades of New Zealand's tech sector. Springload's mission is to make the things that matter better. They've worked with some of New Zealand's leading organisations, including Te Papa, ACC, Kiwi Bank and many government agencies. And Springload also became a B Corp in 2019. Bron herself is passionate about collaborating to create change for good. And I look forward to hearing more about that, but also about her career today. Kia ora, Bron, and thank you very much for joining me. Kia ora. Thanks, Anna. It's really lovely to be here. Super. Well, the first question um, that I've got for you uh, might take you a wee way back. I'd love you to think back, you know, as you were growing up, maybe as a child or even into your teenage years, what careers were you thinking about or dreaming about? Mm, that does take, that's a wee way back. So I, I think probably the first job I ever wanted was to be an inventor. And I used to love building things out of bits of wood and whatever I could find. And yeah, I just, I loved the idea of creating randomly new things that no one had ever thought of yet. Fantastic. And that's in some ways, I guess now you're still inventing things, maybe not practical <laughs> things you can hold in your hand, yeah. but it's still inventing. Yeah, well, it's funny. I was thinking, oh, like what is what is it to be an inventor? It's kind of creating new things and new ideas and bringing them to life. And and I was thinking, well, maybe maybe in some ways I am actually an inventor and just the tools that I use, digital tools and people, bringing people together and bringing ideas together and making them come to life. Mm, really nice way to put it. Yeah, super. And as you were starting to sort of get into the world of work, what were your first job or, or jobs and, and what did you learn from those? One of the first proper jobs I had was writing music for theatre. I weirdly did a maths degree and a music degree, and the music degree was a composition degree specialising in electroacoustic music composition. And so I would do electronic scores and sound design for shows that were on at Matt's Theatre. And I would go in and I would also operate the sound for those shows so I would sit in the booth at the very back that the person that you can't see and have my head torch on so I could see my little mixing desk and the cues for putting the lights or the sound up and down given that I loved writing music turning that into my job made me not love it as much and so actually I realized that that wasn't the career path that I wanted to go down. But interestingly, the creative side of it, creating music and also the, I guess, the logical and um, operational side of it, where, where I was actually running the sound for the shows, 
there's a lot, a lot of transferable stuff there to web design and the visual design and the creativity side of things and then the actual development, the building of it, the the logic and the making making it happen. So that's that's the world that I kind of accidentally fell into and loved. Fantastic. And interesting that you say that about often I think people think, oh, what if I could do my hobby as a job or the thing that I love, mm. my passion as a job? And actually sometimes that can take the love and the joy out of it. Yeah, yeah. So instead of finding a different way to apply your skills. And so you said you fell into the world of the web, the world of tech. How did you fall into it? Well, it was my uh, flatmate was a developer at the time and I had my boyfriend at the time had bought a um, Mac, an early Mac computer that had a whole bunch of illegal software on it, uh, design software. And so I actually would just play with this computer and taught myself a bunch, you know, how to use the apps that were on it, the design apps. And I had always been a very creative person, but was never taught how to design. So I taught myself to design and uh, my flatmate was a developer as I said and he was earning what was considered vast amounts of money back then and I was like how do I get me some of that mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I said how about you teach me how to code and I'll teach you how to design and we yes we did he, he taught me how to code in HTML and obviously coding for the web back when when I was starting which was literally when the web was emerging in New Zealand was a lot simpler than coding is now but yeah I ended up getting a my first ever job doing web design and it was not quite web design but uh, effectively I was designing the sort of website interaction on the touchscreen kiosk that sat down in the foyer of the Wellington City Council entrance area and it was part of, I think that was called the Info City Initiative. And so I worked with the Wellington City Council team and designed the, the interface. And at the time, of course, I was my first ever project, I made this beautiful design and it was 35 kilobytes in size. The file size was 35 kilobytes. And I remember talking to my boss and he said, that is way too big. No, it was will just be way too slow to download, and way that it's just not going to work. And so that's when I guess I got taught that in those days, especially when most people, the only way they accessed the internet was through their modems. Which, for some of you, will be able to remember that the wonderful sound of a modem connecting, very slow speed, and and how to design websites that not only looked beautiful but that was super lightweight and super um, quick to to download and so that ended up being the start of my web career. And what then was the journey to founding Springload? Well got a job at a company very early on and then moved on to a couple of other jobs and ended up just feeling like I had I had some clients of my own and they would recommend me to some friends and then I would get another client and then they'd recommend me to someone else and I started getting busier and busier and then I thought well look I'm just going to quit my job and see what happens and I didn't really think of it as being a decision to start a business or anything I just thought well I've got some clients here and I'll just keep going for a while and see what happens 
And and I remember uh, in the middle of that thinking, oh, maybe I should go out and, and try and get another job. And I interviewed somewhere and in the, in the job interview they said, how many all-nighters in a row would you be prepared to work before you quit? And I thought, hmm, that's not a great sign. So maybe I might actually just continue working for myself, which is actually going quite well. And and so I got, I did. I just kept thinking, oh, well, I've got a couple of contracts. We'll see where that goes. And then I had another couple more contracts and another couple more. And, and then I found myself getting a bit busy. And so I had a friend a designer come and help me and she'd come and sit in my um, spare bedroom and do some contract work for me and and I you know had another friend who was a developer and he'd come and hang out and and then another friend and and before I knew it I was like oh actually I'm starting to get a bit squished in my spare bedroom maybe I should look at actually doing this a bit more properly and get a little office and so, yeah, the first office I had was in Marion Street in Wellington, and it was a tiny little, tiny little space for the grand sum of $5,000 rent per year. And I had, we managed to get the maximum of about six of us in there, squeezed in there. And, yeah, that was the, I guess, the point where I was like, actually, I'm not a sole trader anymore, getting contractors to, to help. I am getting friends to help. I am actually running a business. Maybe I should incorporate. Maybe I should become a proper business. And so I asked one of my well, my developer friends who I'd worked with for quite a while and I said, would you like to be my business partner? And he said yes. So it's kind of like getting married really. And so that was Carl. He became my business partner and the two of us were 50% shareholders in, well, we initially we called ourselves Composite Design and then changed our name to Springload. And yeah, 50% shareholders and I guess the two bosses of Springload for a really long time. And that worked brilliantly. Yeah, great to hear. And interesting to see that transition from, yeah, just, you know, bring a few people in to actually, no, we're, we're a business. Yeah, and now I'm really right. running something that is a, a business. And that comes with I guess, some good bits and some challenging bits as well. What were the highlights and challenges of some of those first years of, of really running the business? Yeah. Well, one of the best bits about it was that I just felt like I was drinking from a fire hose, like I was learning so much all the time. Some of it was just learning on the job, learning at the time. Carl, my business partner, so he, it, we had a nice sort of split. He's got a background in business and, and finance and legal and operations and and my background was was, I guess the the creativity um, so design and people and innovation and looking after our clients and I remember in terms of drinking from the fire hose and learning the when Carl came on the scene he said look have you got your accounts all set up and I was like oh yeah yeah yeah, totally look here's here's my bank account (laughs) and and he was like oh no no I don't mean your bank account I mean your like financial accounts, like your profit and loss. And, and I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I've come a long way and now I know what a profit and loss is and a balance sheet and yeah, all that sort of stuff. But we had a bunch of friends, various friends who were like super talented and really smart and got some business advisors. And like I remember one of my advisors early on, I'd sit in meetings with him and you know, he, he was just very enthusiastic and he would talk fast and I would be listening as, and concentrating as hard as I possibly could and I'd 
come out and my brain was just like literally exploding with everything it had just like fallen into it and I was thinking I probably understood about five percent of what he was saying and then after a few months I, I can't oh, I'm at 15 percent of what he's saying and then after a few years so I can't I think mostly it was just I was just learning so much so I, I loved that part of the, of that early time and the other thing that I loved and I look back and I just think how lucky I was, was just the people that I met, the, the formative years of Springload, the people that we had on the team at the time, there's still, some of them are still, you know, really close friends and just extraordinarily talented people, not just from a, a design or a technology perspective, like from a um, skill perspective, but talented and in that they understand human behaviour and they understand a very broad sense of what clients' businesses would need and and also just super lovely human beings. So we had a lot of fun and I learned a lot and it was perfect combination of working with great people, doing great work and, yeah, loving it. I always think actually running a business, especially as you get bigger and bigger, the best thing about it absolutely 100% is the people and working with the people and the and having a team it, it just like fills me up like I'm I look around at the team and see the things they're working on I just get I'm just so excited and so proud and I just love working with them and it's also I would say the single hardest thing about running a business because every human being is different and has different needs and Sometimes that means that they leave your company. And I remember in those early days, just feeling like every time someone left, I it was I felt like my heart got broken, you know, that oh, I was failing, I wasn't doing a good enough job of making literally the best work environment I could, because if it was the best work environment, then why would they possibly leave? And that was really hard. And, and what I learned is that actually that everyone's lives, they have different needs at different times. And you can only do so much to keep somebody working for you. And actually having amazing people who have loved working with you going on to other places, there's something extremely uh, rewarding about seeing all these amazing spring loaders or sprung loaders as we can call them, ex-spring loaders in especially the Wellington digital scene, but also all around the world, knowing that they're still good friends and that they are effectively ambassadors and advocates of Springload is is really awesome. And I'm really proud to feel like I have been able to work with so many amazing people. But also the other thing which is you only learn after going through that hard phase of having people leave is that the people that join the team bring with them just it's just new fresh ideas it's uh, fresh energy positivity uh, and like a desire to really propel the business forward and that momentum is so powerful and so important just I've just realized that it's learned over the years that, that it is bigger than the sum of its parts. The business, if the people that you're hiring and who are coming and going are operating within the values of the business that you want and fundamentally align with what you want in terms of your vision and your purpose and your values, then it is bigger than 
the sum of its parts. And when people leave and new people start, it's just this big, beautiful momentum of growth and trajectory forwards. And you talked about that kind of growth. And of course, the business has grown now alongside, as you Mm. said, you've grown too, Renee, from a business perspective. What do you love about your work now? Well, to be honest, it's the same thing as it always has been, which is the people that I work with. I just am so lucky to work with the amazing people that I do. They're wonderful and talented and kind and funny and we have a really good time. So I, and I actually, I guess at this size, quite a lot more disconnected from the projects that are being worked on with a lot of the team, which is which is really sad in a way, but also it's something I'm just so proud of. Like I look over someone's shoulder and I'll be like, oh my goodness, that is incredible. What is this thing you're doing? It's just so cool. And I just, yeah, I just feel like just burst with pride. I can just imagine that, but also what a wonderful feeling for the person that you're working with to have that wonderful appreciation from you too. And I get the sense that that's been a big part of your journey in Springload has been about creating, I don't know if it's by accident or by design, a certain culture. Definitely not accidental. I learned early on in some of the places that I'd worked and just seeing other organisations that actually the culture of an organisation has to be set from the very top. And not only that, it's just I wanted to work. I mean, it's very selfish, really. I want to work somewhere that I love. I want to be able to come to work every day, working with awesome people. Um, If I want to have a gin and tonic in the afternoon, I'll have a gin and tonic in the afternoon. And that means everyone can have a gin and tonic in the afternoon, you know. I'm not suggesting that we're all alcoholics, but just like creating an environment where actually if I design it as a place that I want to work, then chances are other people will want to work there as well. So, and that's what I've done. And the other thing I've done is all the way through just being, whenever we've hired people, I've put like skills and and competence in their craft is obviously very important but that comes second to their personality and the ability I guess to align with our core values and if I don't think they align with those values or I don't think they'll be a good culture fit then I don't hire them in some ways I've been a, a bottleneck for hiring people But I, in some ways, also feel like that's probably the single best thing that I've done for Springload over the years is just really focus heavily on culture and on the people that we work with. And so though it may at times have not gone quite as fast, it's probably been better as a result uh, at the end of it. That's exactly right, yeah. And we talked a little bit about a couple of the challenges in as Springload has has grown. If you look back across your career, are there any particular kind of tough career challenges or moments that spring to mind? Yeah, there are. One of the toughest moments was having to make the decision to close down our Auckland office. I would say maybe 10 years ago, we tried to open up an Auckland office and we ended up having about three people up there for a while and little office space and it just didn't work. We couldn't get the clients to keep it alive and we ended up making the really hard decision to close it down and offered to bring people down to Wellington to work but um, ultimately that meant having to break the news to the team that was up there and that yeah that 
was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I felt physically sick. And unfortunately, there are decisions like that that you sometimes have to make when you're running a business and there's no nothing you can do that will make the process easier. You just have to do it uh, in the kindest way possible and knowing that it will actually be better for the business in the long term and therefore for the people that are working as part of the business in the long term. And I can imagine that was really tough. And although you said there's nothing much you can maybe do to make it easier, it probably was in some ways easier for the people because you handled it in such a kind way, as you as you put it, and in probably a very human way. Yes. And I think that's always the way that I would try and do things is just put yourself into the other people's shoes and recognise how challenging this is and, and try and yeah do, do it in as kind of way as possible. Yep. And Bron, have there been any challenges or obstacles that you've faced as a woman in your career? Yeah, I have, especially women in the sort of tech industry. There weren't that many of us early on. I would sit in meetings with my, as the owner of the business, and I would bring my developer along and the CTO that we were talking to and the chief executive would literally not make eye contact with me and only talk to my male developer. And this would happen all the time. And I got to the point where I would just, just let it be. The, it's definitely definitely got less over the years. And But I've had situations where I'll be talking, I'll be in the middle of talking to someone, a man, in a, like a, a networking event, and another guy will come up, literally cut me off mid-sentence and start talking to the, the, the person I'm talking to as, you know, as if I'm not there. And you're like, uh, okay, no, you, I, I am here, and I was still, a, you know, so that that sort of thing happened often, mm. unfortunately. And I think I've heard very similar experiences, particularly from other women in tech. So it's interesting you say that about that experience of being in a in a room, and in fact, they being they being the CEO or they being the founder, and having a male colleague, and then the the client or um, the contact the customer speaking to the male. So I think it 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 does, and this recent story, so it does still happen. But I think it's okay. nice to hear that it happens a bit less maybe than it used to. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. So, I mean, I was even things like, and this still happens, where you're asked to speak in the event because they need a woman. And you're like, okay, well, I'd like to be asked to speak at this event because I'm competent and I can add value to this event, not because I'm a woman, although I do also understand how important it is to get, you know, representation, diverse uh, voices on panels. But definitely nicer not to hear it as we just want you because you're a woman (laughs) yeah running your own business and I know from speaking to some other people it can be all consuming and particularly if you love your work as well you know how do you find some kind of balance between your work and and your broader life yeah it absolutely is all consuming I don't do the hours now that I used to do and some of that is because I've got young family uh, or youngish and just recognising that you uh, can't, you just you just can't make that work without letting one side or the other down. I, th- I would say it still is in my head pretty much all of the time. At the moment, I'm actually working four days a week and I'm really enjoying working four days a week. And I think that I will probably keep doing, going, having periods of time when I do just slightly reduce my hours to inject 
some balance in my life, just so that I don't tip too far into work, work, work mode. It's not easy though, is it? But actually it's nice to hear that, in fact, reducing your hours, that you know, you're not then on your non-working day still kind of going into no. trying to, although you may be thinking and it's maybe percolating, but that you're able yeah. to actually manage that boundary. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes you just have to be a bit hard with yourself. You just have to say, actually, you're starting to get a little bit burnt out now. You need to take some time off. You need to watch some mindless Netflix binge watch some shows for a while you need to go out into the bush and go tramping or or whatever you know actually you do need to let your mind and your body uh, refuel Mm, and I think key with that is kind of catching it in time so that then you can do some of those things that will recharge you that's exactly right and I think that's that's I've definitely left it too late in the past where I have not given myself those that rest and recovery and I have ended up getting quite burnt out and so I am a slow learner in that way I'm getting better at going right no I think I need to preemptively take some time off or do something to treat myself or something that just fills me up that's different Mm. It's a good lesson, but not always an easy one. I know, certainly no. I went through a real period of burnout and it's only through yeah. that that I've recognised actually, okay, that was pushing it too far, and, but I'm still not yeah, still not always great at it. No, it is a hard, it's easy, it's easy to tell other people to do it. It's harder to do it yourself, isn't it? <laughs> it is very true. And we talked before a bit about some of the tough stuff. You know, when you look back at your career to date, what have been some of your proudest career moments? 2018, that year was a huge year for me, and I am really proud of that year. I did a a year-long leadership training program called Global Woman Leadership, Global Woman Breakthrough Leadership, and it was a cohort of 30 women leaders from all sorts of businesses around the country who would come together over the year and learn how to lead. And so doing that program, I learned a lot. And at the same time, and we would all have our own, I guess, work goals to go through while we were doing this course. And the thing that was my work goal was to successfully complete a merger between my company, Springload, and another company. And this was something that had, so it just happened to be the timing of it that um, happened on the same year. But the merger, I'm really proud of the way that that merger came, uh, came about and that we made it work and we didn't lose anyone from the there were about 45 Springloads at the time and about 20 from TouchTech which is the company that we merged with. Statistically mergers are often failures in the business world and so to be able to say hand on heart that I felt like it was a success and that the merger had given us new work opportunities and new clients that we would never have been able to get either of our companies get before the merger and to give our team opportunities that they wouldn't have been able to get as well just felt uh, yeah I felt pretty proud of that. What a wonderful story and again that period of personal growth for you alongside the business growth again seeing those things coming together. Exactly. And Brom where do you see your career now heading in the future? That's a good question. I we haven't actually announced it publicly but I we're going to be I'm going to be announcing very very soon the, that I have my CFO 
COO to become my co-CEO, which is super exciting. So Emily Vakauta is going to stand alongside me as co-CEO of Springload. And we're going to be able to role model uh, true bicultural leadership at Springload, which I'm really excited about. And so it's an opportunity for Emily to step into that uh, CEO role and me to move slightly sideways. Probably I will stay in that role with her. But the thing that I'm getting really excited about is that we're growing our labs team, Spring Labs, and experimenting really. So doing a lot of trying new things, failing, but some of them succeeding and learning, doing lots of learning and really excited about where that sort of, yeah, that vent, those ventures might, how they might grow. I feel like I'm planting a lot of seeds at the moment and I'm really excited about seeing which of those seeds I can, you know, as many of those seeds I can help grow. And that sounds a really exciting phase of your career to be going into. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely feels it feels very exciting. It feels exciting for Springload as well and it feels, yeah, very exciting for me. Yeah, super. And one last question I have for you, Bron, is what career advice would you have for other women? I think the biggest advice I would give other women is to trust yourself. I feel like when you're uh, running a business or you're, I don't know, there's advice everywhere there's subscribe to you know newsletters and so listen to podcasts and read articles online read business books uh there's there are advisors business advisors everywhere everyone's got an opinion on how you should do things and what you should do and use this framework or use these system or whatever i think it's worth remembering that it was was another human that sought up that system and that framework and Yes, you can you can read it and you can listen to it, but actually, at the end of the day, you're the one that knows your business best, and you're the one that trusts that you don't need the right answers to be supplied to you by someone who's written a book, and that actually, yeah, if it, that when you're in your flow and when you're in your place of, of strength and confidence, that things will work out. Wonderful advice. And I think particularly wonderful advice for women where we do often look for external sources to learn from or to validate our ideas. We're actually sometimes listening to ourselves a wee bit more and trusting our own judgment can be hugely powerful. And, you know, but second guessing, it's easy to second guess ourselves, especially when you're faced with a sea of men in in suits who look like they, uh, you know, know what they're talking about. And therefore, if you do something different, that means you're probably going to be wrong. But, and I, you know, I don't even think we would necessarily articulate that like that to ourselves, but those implicit messages everywhere, and they have been growing up in the movies we watch and the, the TV shows we watch, the books we read that... It is very, especially the business world, it is male-dominated and that doesn't necessarily mean they're right. It just, I think we just need to sometimes go, actually, I'm going to back myself. I'm going to trust myself and that it's okay that I'm doing something that is actually quite different from what they have suggested. Wonderful, wonderful advice. Bron, it's been such a pleasure 
to speak to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your own career journey from those early stages of thinking, oh, I might be an inventor, which as you said, it turns out you are now through kind of giving the music area a go, but your journey then into tech to founding your own business and the the growth that has come with, with that alongside some of the challenges and lessons you've learned along the way. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Oh, thanks heaps for the time. It was really lovely to chat. Thank you, Anna. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. Oh,